0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. It's the holiday season, and before I introduce our guests, I just invite you to check out my book. It's a great gift for the holiday season, Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's a desert book. It's at Amazon um, and other places. And if the gift you could give to me is um, to write a review um, Go to Desert Book and write a review or Amazon, as well as obviously sharing it with others. Um, with that said, now to the real businesses hand is to introduce my guest on my podcast, um, who's Zooming in from San Francisco, Carson Perez. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Car- Carson. Richard, thank you so much. It, it is such an honor and privilege to, to be interviewed by you. I I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've listened to many episodes and I I honestly can't believe that this is happening. And um, you are such a hero in the LGBTQ plus community um, for allowing our voices to be heard. And um, I so respect you and your great work um, with our community. And um, it is is really great to be with you tonight.
0: Thank you, Carson. That's very kind of you. And um, I'm going to, instead of introducing Carson, I'm going to l- let Carson share about an eight or nine minute um, bio. I don't want to take any thunder out of his bio by potentially introducing stuff, so I'm just going to have Carson's come prepared like some of my guests with just a bio and a spiritual journey. and so I'll just turn it over to you, Carson, to share this with our listeners.:
1: Thank you, Richard i wanted to be sure that i didn't forget anything and and for those of you who don't really have much time um hopefully you can have 10 minutes to to listen to my narrative and testimony um so so thank you for listening at four years old i knew that i was different than other boys but i didn't have the words to articulate my feelings my parents said stop being so sensitive In elementary school, my classmates called me the F word, and my teachers looked the other way. I was bullied for most of elementary school and junior high school, when all I wanted to be was normal and to have friends. If someone would have just told me what to do differently, so to have avoided the unwanted attention, I would have done it. But I didn't know how to be someone other than myself. As I grew older, What I labeled as my same-sex attraction became stronger, and I prayed harder than I had ever prayed before. My parents were conservative, hard-working Pentecostals who did their best to get through the day. They took my younger sister and me to an Assemblies of God church, the same church that my stepfather's relatives attended in Santa Ana, California this congregation was where I learned about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, how the Bible is often weaponized against LGBTQ people. By junior high school, I had also heard countless times from the pulpit that homosexuality mentioned in the same breath as adultery and murder was an abomination to God. And that there there was no room in heaven for gays. I was taught by church leaders and the Christian coalition that gay was a label used by left-wingers to push their politically correct agendas down the throats of God-fearing Americans, and that AIDS was God's judgment on people who chose that alternative lifestyle. They were getting what they deserved. I still remember TV evangelists and other evangelicals throwing around the cliché It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and other rhetoric that made their faithful flocks laugh to high heaven. However, their jokes were lost on me. Their sermons only made me feel more confused, scared, depressed, and desperately lonely. With no one to turn to, I kept doing what I knew that I had to do, pray and be good. The summer after my freshman year in high school, my family and I pioneered our way from Southern California to Salt Lake. My stepfather had accepted a job offer with an aerospace company near Park City. With faith in every mile, we drove our stuffed U-Haul truck from familiarity to the unknown. I was thrilled by this new adventure and grateful for the change of scenery. I had become acquainted with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints through personal study and friends. I took the initiative to learn as much as I could about Mormonism. My parents thought that it was a cult and didn't say much about it except that early Mormons were polygamists. But who who were they, really? As my temperament was and is, I wanted to listen to both sides and to learn for myself. Eventually, to my parents' dismay, I embraced the restored gospel and joined the church on Sunday, July 21, 1996. My Latter-day Saint friends were happy and said that they saw it coming. I longed for the strong family life that I never had, and I admired the unity of the global church that Protestant denominations and other churches only dreamed of. Parkwood First Ward in the Kearns, Utah, Central State became my second home. My bishop, Mark McAfee, and my young men's president, Russell Lynch, and others in my neighborhood ward in Kearns welcomed me with open arms. I loved being a priest and blessing the sacrament every Sunday and participating in baptisms for the dead, starting in the Salt Lake Temple. A year later, I requested for my name to be removed from church records. My cognitive dissonance about the historicity of the Book of Mormon, the early history of the church, and certain doctrines got the best of me, and ward leaders didn't exactly know how to answer my questions. To my parents' relief, I decided to attend the small Assemblies of God University in Kirkland, Washington, 10 miles east of Seattle. It wasn't until my first semester at Yale Divinity School when I became an Episcopalian at 27 that I truly started to believe that what I felt deep down inside me for all these years was not an abomination. Through pure scholarly study, I had bitten the proverbial fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Pure religion is a mystical partnership between the human and the divine. Institutional religion can feel like a spark of light behind a very dark glass adorned with heavy window dressing, a byproduct of humankind's search for meaning. Stripped away of decades of dogma, I deeply and profoundly knew that I was a child of God. I was not a tragic, broken, straight person who had to endure to the end when Christ would finally fix all of his misfit toys in the millennial reign. It wasn't me who was broken for being gay. It was the mindset that good intention people had that was broken. It was these institutionalized beliefs that were broken, that people choose to be gay, that they are not faithful enough, not doing enough to please God that it is God's great plan of happiness to stick square pegs into round holes. These untruths are born out of ignorance, bigotry, and fear. They are not of God. I was not born gay so that I could learn how to gratefully suffer my way through a lonely existence into the arms of a loving God. Jesus says in John 10.10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. A half-life is no life at all. My calling is to live an abundant, authentic, and Christ-actualized life, not just in the afterlife, but also here and now, because I'm a child of God. Fast forward 10 years later, I found myself yearning for God in a new way. I had allowed myself to get caught up in the rat race and let my spiritual well run dry. One morning, in November 2017, I was rushed to UCSF's Medical Emergency Department. I had excruciating pain that turned out to be caused by a kidney stone. I thought I was dying. I looked inside into myself and found only darkness and emptiness, which greatly grieved my heart. After many months of soul-searching, I acknowledged my longing for the tight-knit community that I once enjoyed at Parkwood First Ward. Online, I saw that mormonandgay.org showed videos of people who were both LGBTQ and Latter-day Saints. I was so excited about these stories being shared by the church, like Sean, Becky, and Scott McIntosh's story, that I share these videos with coworkers. The universalist soteriology of the church and its increasing embrace of scientific knowledge encouraged me. And I devoured podcast episodes from the Salt Lake Tribune's Mormon Land, the BYU Maxwell Institute podcast, Faith Matters, Conversations with Sherry Dew, All In with Morgan Jones, This is the Gospel with Corinne Lay, and Listen, Learn, and Love with Richard Osler. And I listened to and read books by modern day scholars like Terrell and Fiona Givens, Gregory Prince, and Taylor Petrie and modern-day pioneers like Tom Christofferson, Carolyn Pearson, Bryce Cook, and John Gustav Rathall. This wealth of knowledge exhibited an expansive view of restored Christianity, where the lived experiences of marginalized groups and the nuances of the Latter-day Saint faith tradition were shared, respected, and celebrated out in the open, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints of today was not the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints of 20 years ago. Through the power of technology and transparency, I was witnessing the ninth article of faith play out subtly and powerfully in my everyday life. Also, with my self-identifying ex-Mormon LGBTQ friends, I attended Hearth in Palo Alto. Hosted by Jeff and Catherine Wise, and an LGBTQ affirming ward in Oakland that had its primary program where a transgender child thanked her heavenly father and heavenly mother for all of the LGBTQ families in heaven. And I attended the Sunset Ward, where I met regularly with, at the time, my bishop, A.J. Whittemore, and to listen to everything, he listened to everything that I had to say and accepted me. And I met once with my state president, David Garfield, who passed away a few weeks after we had met. He, He said with all his heart that Heavenly Father loves me so much that the church needs LGBTQ people, that I belong here in this church, and that I just need to keep showing up. With the loving support of my partner, Alex, I got rebaptized on Saturday, August 24th, 2019. Alex, over a day and a half, cooked several trays of homemade pork sliders and an orange chiffon cake to share with ward members at my baptismal potluck. And my ex-Mormon LGBTQ friends, because they loved me, supported my decision to return to this church that had devastated their faith with Prop 8 in California, and the November 2015 policy and its April 2019 reversal. Some of them even visited the Sunset Ward with me because they wanted to see what this progressive ward was that had accepted my partner and me. Since my baptism, I'm thankful that I've been able to share my journey of faith and identity to the State Council and to give a talk and sacrament meeting where I've applied scripture to my life as an openly gay Latter-day Saint. Then on May 13, 2020, I learned about Emmaus LGBTQ ministry through Erica Munson, the mother of Geddes Munson, who was coincidentally my elders quorum president. There was an eye-opening article in the Salt Lake Tribune that described the origins and the mission of Emmaus. I had quickening in my spirit and immediately connected with Erica. Over the phone, she shared that Emmaus ministers to and with LGBTQ individuals and their families in and adjacent to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that Emmaus envisions a community of heterosexual, cisgender, and LGBTQ Latter-day Saints who were called to ministry for the safety, well-being, and happiness of LGBTQ people in and adjacent to the Church of Jesus Christ. I wholeheartedly agreed with the mission and vision of Emmaus and shared my own story and was soon invited to become a board member of Emmaus. I became acquainted with co-chairs John Gustav Rathal and Valerie Green, and later Diane Roldan, a fellow board member, joined the board. Emmaus has been a great support to me reminding me that it is possible to walk this Latter-day Saint road of discipleship as LGBTQs and allies. I have a place to go where I don't need to constantly explain myself, where being gay and following Christ are accepted and celebrated with zero shame or guilt. Currently in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, with the support of my Bishop Gabe Briggs and fellow ward members, I'm taking temple prep classes and hoping to receive my endowment whenever the Oakland Temple reopens. I want every blessing that my heavenly parents want for me. I found deep and profound peace and joy knowing that I do not walk on this covenant path alone. Heavenly Father does not command us to live perfectly in this life. Focusing on living perfectly only makes us more egotistical. Instead, we must diligently practice loving perfectly, which includes genuinely loving our LGBTQ siblings in word and deed. Life is about progression, not perfection. Courageous conversations can only take place if there is mutual respect and hope for progress. And we will not progress very far if we are not mourning with LGBTQs We covenant as disciples of Jesus Christ to mourn with those that mourn, as Mosiah 18.9 states. And in the ancient prophet Enoch's sweeping vision of Zion in Moses 7, we learn that our God is the God who weeps, the God who empathizes completely and without pretense. How many tears does God shed for God's LGBTQ children? the wrongful anguish of LGBTQ children is perfectly met in the eyes of God. I love and sustain and regularly pray for our church leaders. They need us. We need them. We need each other. Our modern-day prophets and apostles are here to fulfill the ancient call of holy shepherds to guide and to gather God's people and to generate God's salvific love without. Partiality. Elder Quinn Cook in the October 2020 General Conference encouraged the church to live united as a Zion people. He said, quote, with our all-inclusive doctrine, we can be an oasis of unity and celebrate diversity. Unity and diversity are not opposites. We can achieve greater unity as we foster an atmosphere of inclusion and respect for diversity, end quote. Elder Dale G. Renlund, in the same conference, describes Christ-like individuals as those who, quote, treat everyone with love and understanding, regardless of characteristics such as race, gender, religious affiliation, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, and tribal, Clan or national differences, end quote. In a devotional in June 2018, President Russell M. Nelson said that, quote, the greatest challenge, the greatest cause, and the greatest work on earth is the gathering of Israel. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. End quote. This gathering does mean everything to me. And it includes LGBTQ people. God loves LGBTQ people. Jesus Christ died for LGBTQ people. And whom God loves and for whom Jesus Christ died, no one should take lightly. We will all be held accountable. The Holy One will not ask, were you nice to the least among you? Did you tolerate their existence? No. The Holy One will ask, what did you do for the least among you? Did you love them the way that I love you? Matthew 25, 40 says, whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. I pray that the Sunset Ward and Emmaus will one day not be the exception, but the common experience for LGBTQ individuals and their families for the sake of Zion and our God. Come, let us worship together without guilt in life, without fear in death, and all alike unto God. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the true and living God. Amen. Amen, Carson.
0: Um, On behalf of all of our listeners, I have tears in my
1: eyes, and many do too right now. That was beautiful. Thank you. I felt the spirit
0: as you spoke. I felt your good heart. I can see your good face on my screen. I wish everybody could. Um, it's a remarkable story. You know a lot of worlds, you know multiple different Christian religions world and, and you know multiple worlds as an LGBTQ person. And there's been no, no no owner's manual for you to navigate this road except your relationship with your heavenly Father, your heavenly parents and and navigating this road and I just recognized that talk and where you were as a little kid it's just it's remarkable um if your ten year old self could have read that. <laughs> you know, Carson doesn't look like he's in his early forties, but he is. So that's, you know, 30 years, three decades, roughly you've been on this journey and um, what a great job. And we both know we've lost people um, because of the things you talked about. Um, And people. I just feel, A responsibility right now to ask the questions that my listeners would love me to ask right now. And so I just say a silent prayer. I may do that. Um, Talk about um, your partner, Alex, and how your ward is making space for you in a committed same sex relationship to be rebaptized and even consider going to the temple.
1: The Sunset Ward. In San Francisco, I believe, in my humble opinion, is is the best ward um, anywhere of all time. Uh, Everyone in the Sunset Ward has been so welcoming and accepting of Alex and me. I wasn't sure at first if this ward would accept me. Um, I've had plenty of experiences in, in multiple wards in multiple faith communities. Um, and I'll, I, I, even though I wasn't a part of our church um, for a while, um, I, I knew what was happening with Prop 8. Um, I knew what was happening with the, the November 2015 policy. Um, and I, I prayed really hard if, Going back to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the right thing to do. De-. I told my bishop, A.J. Wedemore, at the time that I would not give up Alex. I would not give up my partner. I had prayed about Alex very hard. Um, I asked Heavenly Father if I should let go of Alex. Um, I asked if Alex should be in my life. And the, the resounding answer was, yes, you are supposed to be with Alex. I know that some of, our, some of your listeners might not um, fully understand that, and that's okay. But I know deep down in my heart that Alex is the love of my life, that I'm supposed to spend my life with Alex. He makes me a better person, um hopefully, if you ask him he'll say he'll say the same thing for himself. Um, I believe we make each other better people than we would be if if we uh, than if we were just alone so uh. Bishop Whittemore uh, listened to everything that I had to say, and had met Alex. Um, and and honestly, I mean, it's not it's not hard to to love Alex. You just have to meet him. Um, he is one of the best people that I've ever known. Uh, he himself he'll tell you the story, but he um, was born and raised in uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, In Texas, Uh, he has his own own story of of faith and and identity, and uh, he's he's aware of of Christianity and its shortcomings that uh, manifest themselves in in Christian circles. But the Sunset Ward has has been a refuge for me. It's it's a sanctuary. Uh, They They've invited Alex and me. Many of uh, the ward members have invited us to, to their homes for dinners. We've had a game night at the bishop's house. Um, uh, we've had potluck at, at my house. Um, it's, it's, it's great to see see the love um, that they have, not just for, for me coming back to the church, but for having Alex in my life. I think that ward members see that um, Alex is a part of my life, uh, that I won't compromise. Um, And Alex is a a strong part of my own faith journey. Um, I don't think that I would want to be part of a faith community that does not fully embrace me or the people that I love. Um, I, I just see that as completely antithetical um, to Christianity. Um, it's antithetical to to a healthy community, um, and I believe that a lot of uh, my ward members would would agree with me. Um, I've had an opportunity to share my testimony many times in sacrament meetings and. Uh, I've given a sacrament talk, like I've said in my narrative, um, where I, I. Pretty much came out to the entire ward, um, all at once. Folks, when I first joined, when I first started attending the Sunset Ward, knew that uh, I, I was gay. Some of them asked of me. Uh, some of them assumed, um, but uh, that that talk that I gave last September um, was the, the make or break moment for me. And I, I told the bishop that I was going to, uh, to say this. Um, and he said, okay, that's, that's, that's what you should say. Um, and so I had shared, I had shared that talk with folks and, I think it wasn't until after I gave that talk when folks came up to me and had tears in their eyes and thanked me for sharing my story and and for for being open about who I am and and not being ashamed um, I, I I was humbled I was humbled by their love um, and I see. The expression of love um, by my stake in in the form that they have invited me to share my own story at, at State Council. It is uh the middle of a pandemic right now. So um I met with the state council via Zoom and and I shared my story, and they had uh, many questions for me, which which I answered. Um but this, this shows me, Richard, that, that this is a church with a growth mindset. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is continually evolving. It is receptive to the heart and mind of our Heavenly Father. Our church leaders are, are doing their best to generate that love to its members uh, and to folks outs- outside of our faith, I'm I'm so encouraged by the Sunset Ward, and I, I wish that every LGBTQ Latter-day Saint had a place to go to like the Sunset Ward. Um, I, I I don't feel like I'm overpraising the Sunset Ward. Um, it's it really is a great place. It's not perfect. Whenever, whenever there are two or three gathered, there's bound to, to be some toe-stepping. You better believe that. Um, but, great. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great ward, um, and, I, and I love it. I love it.
0: I love the way your ward and stake is helping you feel welcome, and I love that that's scalable, and I love your perspective of other Christian faiths and how welcome you feel here. And me keeping my covenants or my baptism covenants doesn't require me to ask other people how they're doing on their covenants. That's just a private thing between them and the Lord and their local leaders. And so my job as a Latter-day Saint is to do everything I can to support other Latter-day Saints, but it's not my job to judge other Latter-day Saints. And sometimes we are quicker to judge LGBTQ Latter-day Saints when I see a single straight person Walk into church. I'm not wondering if he or she is acting on it, and I've learned to accept the same grace to everybody. It's just not my job to wonder about anybody's, to about anybody in that area, and just see them like Carson's asking us to see us as you know LGBTQ members as needed members of the body of Christ, and what can we do to lift their burden and help them feel included, and maybe even more importantly. Um, When you hear Carson, the contributions Carson is making to his ward um, and to the church to help us become a better church, Carson. So you were involved with Episcopal Church. Will you share with our listeners how serious you got with
1: the Episcopal Church? Sure, I became very involved with the Episcopal Church, and and my first semester. At Yale Divinity School, I decided to to become an Episcopalian and to get on the ordination track to become an ordained Episcopal priest. Uh, So that was fun, Uh, and I I got very deep into it. I did a one year internship at St. Thomas's Episcopal Church in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I identified as an Episcopalian when uh I uh was at Yale New Haven Hospital as a hospital chaplain. And uh afterwards I uh when I moved to San Francisco, uh I attended uh a small episcopal parish in the uh, Ashbury neighborhood. And um it was a very transformative time in my life. And um, I've gained so much knowledge. And I have deepened my faith because of my time in the Episcopal Church. Um, the Structure of the prayer book is amazing. Episcopal liturgy is amazing, rites one and two. Um, but I, I just eventually, after I think, around 13 years of being an Episcopalian, felt like something was missing. I remember one morning uh, in worship i I was kneeling down saying a communal prayer, and I came to the realization that I didn't believe a lot of this anymore <laughs> um and that I that I probably shouldn't be here anymore. So that was that was that was another that's another part of my my faith journey um, that I value and look back on fondly, uh, as I do uh, the the assemblies of God, the Pentecostal faith tradition. Uh, you know, Richard, these all of these faith traditions that I've been a part of. They've never left me, and they will never leave me. They're a part of who I am. Um, they continue to inform my relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And I just want to reiterate the deep respect that I have for for these faith traditions, um, Christian and non-Christian. Uh, as I've said, I've I've studied Buddhism and and to love that faith tradition very much. Um, but but there's just something special about restored Christianity that I will never be able to articulate, not with human words. Maybe one day I'll be able to communicate that um, in spirit, but uh, in this mortal life, I I really can't.
0: I love that, Carson. I love that you felt that wasn't your path, but you're so respectful of those other faiths. And you talk about how those other faiths, you brought the very best of those other faiths with you. And you haven't turned your back on those other faiths. And I love that about your story. I think of President Hinckley, my childhood prophet, and you're smiling right now, and he just says, we make good men better. And it's sort of, I think it's his way of saying, bring all the good you have with you as you join our faith. And we need all of that that you bring with you, and hopefully, you know, we'll help you be better and you'll help us be better. So I love that. Mm. Yeah, one of your um, board members at a, at Emmaus, um, Valerie Green, that we've talked about, she was on episode 363. So if any of our listeners would like to listen to not only your podcast, but Valerie Green, it's episode 363, and we hope to have other Uh, members of the Emmaus board on our podcast. Talk about, since you've been, I'm going to shift gears a little bit if you're okay, but you could add on to that if you want to. Um, You had this unique perspective of being involved in multiple Christian churches and also stepping away from our church. What is unique? Are there unique doctrines in our church that drew you back? Is our church unique in the sense we're better than most for LGBTQ people? Is it a sense of community at the local level? Just help our listeners. And I get messages from LGBTQ people that are considering joining our church that are listening to the podcast. I get quite a few investigators that this podcast is a way for them to actually think, is this my place? Is this actually why it may not be the perfect faith for me (laughs) as an LGBTQ? It actually works. That's kind of a long question there, Carson. Go for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no worries. I have been a part of many faith traditions. I'm, I'm a seeker, Richard. I, I want to know the heart and mind and will of God. I believe that there is ultimate reality, a reality that is beyond this material world, a reality beyond our, our daily lives and 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 uh, the humdrum and and the the list of of to dos that we need to do for the day or the week or the month or the year. There's there's more there's more to this life than what we see, and there are things there are more things that we don't know than we do know. Um, which is why when. When I had graduated from Yale you know, Divinity School, I, 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 I slipped into uh, agnosticism and not atheism. I thought that it would be a little arrogant of myself to to declare wholeheartedly that there is no God, because I, I didn't I didn't know. I couldn't say that with with one hundred percent certainty. Um, I like leaving room. I like leaving room. it's just kind of like um, you know when when you eat a meal i I want to leave some room because there might be some dessert coming right after that. Um, so I have nothing but respect for uh, the assemblies of God, the Pentecostal faith tradition um, and and the episcopal faith tradition I, I think they're wonderful and and to the other faith traditions that I've explored, I I took a class in in Buddhism in college, and I was able to uh, to travel to Nepal and and Tibet uh, uh, with uh, my uh, Buddhist professor and a few other students, and and um, that's that was an invaluable uh, time in my life, um, but. Uh, There's so much wisdom in all of our faith traditions. Um, I don't feel like any one faith tradition has a monopoly on truth or righteousness. There's so much truth, goodness, and beauty in the world's religions um, and in the hearts and minds of um, people of non-faith. Some of the best people whom I know are People of no faith. Um, and I, I I respect them. I respect them for um for having that framework. Um <sighs> restored Christianity has always been in my heart. Uh, I had left the church, but the church never left me. Um, there were just certain things that, that I couldn't get, that I couldn't let go of. Um, And when, after I had my, my kidney stone and was searching for a faith to, to be a part of. First faith tradition that came to my mind uh, was ours. I thought of the Church of Jesus Christ of, of Latter-day Saints. Um, it's funny. Uh, this faith can seem like a very conservative faith tradition, and, and in many ways it is. Uh, but there are, are very progressive aspects of it that I, I think folks miss. Um, one of which is, Universal salvation. There is a place for LGBTQ people in heaven. We can live with God as LGBTQ people in the afterlife. This is not so with some of uh, the other conservative Christian traditions. Um, But in our faith tradition, it is possible. Um, Another thing that I love is, is how... All encompassing the Gospel of Jesus Christ is in restored Christianity, why wouldn't Christ show himself make himself known after his resurrection to the peoples of ancient America? Uh, it doesn't make sense for me uh, it doesn't make sense to think that that Christ would hide himself uh, and manifest himself only to that one group of of people Um, this is this is a very inclusive uh, gospel the restored gospel that we believe in and another reason why i came back to this church is that no faith community has ever measured up to our faith community at least on the local level there is something so special about the local ward. Um, there are structures in place so that people do not fall through the cra- cracks. Um, there are always ministering brothers and sisters there to listen to you, to help you. Um, the bishopric um, is mindful of its folks. Um, what I feel in terms of my close relationships in the Sunset Ward, some people never feel, even after many, many years of being in, in a local faith community, it's very hard to cultivate these deep friendships. It takes time. It takes time, um, even in our faith tradition. But I feel like um, that there are so many things in place. Uh, in, our, in our local communities that helps to facilitate um, these deep, sustainable friendships uh, that often go beyond um, you know, one's duration in an award. Um, yeah, community is everything to me. And we are created to be in community. We are not created to be alone. We can't practice the gospel principles without community. Um, we need the structure of community. I personally need the discipline of community and um, an organized religion like ours. Um, I, I, I can easily get lazy with uh, <laughs> um, my, my spirituality. Um, but, uh, but I can't, but I can't in this faith tradition. Um, I, I read the scriptures every day and I I pray every day and every Sunday I, I can expect, uh, to partake of the sacrament and, and to attend, um, elders quorum um, or Sunday school. Um, there's, there are plenty of opportunities um to feel like you belong and that that you to feel like you are not alone um at the local ward. I, I love that. It's it is uncomparable. Uh, it it truly is
0: that's a great answer. It's a very complete answer, Carson, and you touched on that when you read your opening um, opening journey, and I just was struck with how well-read and well-studied and thoughtful you were um, before your rebaptism and all the books and podcasts, the givens. You went through a whole list, and I thought, this isn't the right term to check out a religion, but I thought, this is somebody who's done due diligence. This is somebody who (laughs) um, really understands what he's getting himself back into, in your case. And, And I just love that part of your journey and just the thoughtfulness. And but I love the way you are so kind to other religions and other people that have even stepped away from our church and have just to me that's sort of owning our core doctrine, loving heavenly parents that love all their children and are working to help bring them all back. And when I kind of go in that spot, I I'm more relaxed about people being in other faiths and even people stepping away from my own faith. I just honor their individual journey and feel, you know, I call it non-agenda love. My love job is just to love them, not because our love will bring them back, just because they deserve to be loved and kind of leave this all at the Savior's feet and, and our heavenly parents who want to do everything they can. So I love where you are from your spiritual journey, um, and that's a beautiful spot to be. And it's faith-promoting for all of us in the church, and I think it's bridge-building for those that have stepped away from the church, I think you're very good at that. And you're not take, saying, take my story and everybody should. And that's what's really good about Emmaus and, and this podcast. Um, I'd love to talk about, I'm um, going back to your younger self, hearing all those messages. And
1: what would you say to your younger self? And this is you talking to closeted teenagers. Will you just talk? Will you share some thoughts? That's a good question. I would probably tell my younger self. <laughs> I would tell him that life is hard. There's no sugarcoating it. You go through some rough, really rough times. Uh, you will feel. Lonely and misunderstood. But hold on to hope. Jesus Christ is real. He is there with you, regardless of your membership in any institutional church. God loves you. And you are never truly alone, even though you might feel like it i I wish I could give my younger self a hug. Um, he he has been through a lot, but you know i'm i was I'm thinking right now when uh, I was a hospital chaplain near the end of my time at at Divinity School, um, I never tried to give people answers. What I tried to give them was hope and comfort and to express love. So, yeah, to my younger self, hold on. Don't lose hope. You will get through this. And when you become an an adult, you can make your own decisions without your parents and without without, uh, all of these uh, other voices. Um, You are responsible for your own happiness. um, And you are accountable for... your life to god uh you're gonna you're gonna do things in your life that um that you never thought you would do um you know academically and socially um and spiritually um and just know that with every step christ is there that's what i would tell my younger son. It's a great answer.
0: In your opening summary, you talked about the misfit toys that'll be fixed in the millennium. I'm paraphrasing. Mm. That was pretty powerful. Um, I think of misfit toys when I'm watching some of the movies. I can't remember what it is. At Christmas time, all the misfit toys is a phrase out of a. But I love the way you recognize that that's how you felt. You have a really good way of capturing feelings visually and how you now don't look at yourself that way. Somebody that needs to be fixed in the millennium, but somebody that's created the way um, God intended you to be created. And I, and you know this, but it's, I've recognized that the homophobia that LGBTQ people feel or the transphobia is really not born with them. It's what they've learned from the messages that they've received from society, from faith communities. But I really believe that's the way God feels about you, you know, Carson, that if he were here, and I think you've received personal revelation confirming this, that he loves you just the way you are. And you're not a misfit toy, quote unquote, that's going to be fixed in the millennium or fixed in the atonement. The atonement can heal your broken heart and give you hope. You know that it's done that for you, but it hasn't changed your sexual orientation. So I, Any comment any follow-up comments on that? I just loved your visual imagery there. Thank you, Richard.
1: Yeah, I there are a lot of questions surrounding what what God's plan is exactly for LGBTQ people. (laughs) That's (laughs) honest. That's honest. (laughs) We um like I said, there there are there are more things that we don't know than we do know. Um but what we do know are the fundamentals. I've learned that throughout all of my experiences growing up, that God's middle name is surprise. <laughs> it is. It is. God's middle name is surprise because God will never fail to surprise you um, with with blessings, um, God will surprise you with the things that God allows to happen in your life. Uh, but but surprise is, is one of his, his greatest talents. Um, and I think that we're all going to be very surprised in the millennial reign. I think we're all going to be very surprised um, in the eternities. Uh, We're probably going to meet people that we didn't expect to meet. Uh, We're going to see some things that we never uh, thought we'd see. Uh, So I I never, I I do not, I never want to put God in a box. I want to let God be God. My job is to follow the two greatest commandments. Love God, love people. Boom. Christianity in a nutshell. Um, that's what I'm trying to do. And God knows my heart. God sees inside me, knows my intent. Um, you see that I'm trying to match my intent with, with my works. I want there to be a harmony between my internal life and my external life. And, uh, I, I try, I, I'm doing my best. Um, but I I just want folks to know, especially LGBTQ people that that God is with you God knows you you are not alone if you choose not to be in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints God is not abandoning you God is still with you, whatever you do, wherever you go, whoever you are, God is there. Please have hope. Don't lose hope. Hope is the greatest thing that we have. Um, and I want I want to take this time, to invite folks to check out the Emmaus website. It's EmmausLGBTQ.org. Um, As I've mentioned, I'm a board member of Emmaus and I'm so blessed to be a part of this special ministry. Um, And I want to ask folks to to check out um, our public Facebook page. Just type in uh, on on Facebook, EMAEUSLGBTQ, and and you'll find us. and I also want to invite folks, I've talked to my bishop about this. I know that there are LGBTQ people out there who are curious about our faith tradition, um, who maybe want to or are thinking about returning to the church. They might not be sure what, what to do. Bishop Briggs, and I invite you to Zoom Sunday worship with us. I will happily send you the link uh, to our Zoom Sunday worship if you email me at carson at And that's carson, C A R S O N, at org. I know that's a lot of letters, but, um, but uh, please email me. Even if you just want to connect with me, um, and don't have any questions about the church. But you, you just feel like you, you want to make that connection. I, I invite you to do so. Um, yeah, I, I wish that folks could just see the beauty of restored Christianity that I see. This is a, this is a faith tradition. That declares, yes, and um, with Joseph Smith, we we know certain truths. We believe certain um, truths that enables humankind to be united as one big human family um, throughout the eternities. Uh, we know things deeper things about the gospel that um, I wished I had learned. Growing up as an evangelical, um, this is the faith tradition of yes and. We are a yes and people. God has shown us certain truths, has revealed certain teachings to us. Yes and there is more to come. There is more revelation that God is rejoicing and sharing with us at the appropriate time. Um, and and I believe that LGBTQ people will receive the answers that that we've been asking for a really long time. We will get those answers one day.
0: Um, thank you for giving out your email, Emmaus's website. We'll put that in the podcast description, listeners, so you can look for it there. Um, do you have a prayer you'd like to—I don't know if that was it, or I'd love you to share. I think you have a prayer written you'd love to share at the closing of this
1: podcast. I do. I do. Thank you, Richard. Um, I Before I say this prayer, I, I do also um, want to say that um, I've been writing spiritual thoughts um, in the hopes of um, compiling uh, daily meditations. Um, and I i was really quickened by the spirit um, as I was writing spiritual thoughts for one of my callings, which is um, uh, to be a part of the, the Stake Welfare Committee. I'm also a part of the Just Serve Committee in my ward. Um, and I just, I feel like there's, what I fail to to say sometimes verbally, um, I feel like I can I can better meditate on and write. So hopefully, when when I am done with uh, my my writings, my my book on daily meditations, um, I can share it with you, Richard, and, and other folks who might be interested. Love that. So, so this is my prayer. Almighty Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, who in Thine infinite grace and imagination softened to manifest the Thy perfect love by and through the priesthood and the creation of the heavens and the earth and the diversity of humankind, we pray to Thee. We who are created in Thy perfect image thank Thee that we have a heavenly mother and a heavenly father, and that thou in the fullness of time hast chosen to bring forth humankind through Mother Eve and Father Adam. In the Garden of Eden, they fell upwards and their descendants were empowered to progress. Human life reflects thy choice to express life through diversity over monotony, abundance over scarcity, depth over shallowness, foresight over myopia. Billions of spirit children populate this planet in tabernacles of clay, adorned with dynamic pigments, textures, and features that declare thy creativity. We witness and testify that throughout the animal kingdom, there is evolution and complexity of life whether human animal or non-human animal. Creation is on a spectrum of sexuality. We are a rainbow of revelation. Heterosexual humans, lesbian seagulls, gay penguins, bisexual monkeys, transgender humans, and other identities of nature. We are queer creations that did not create ourselves. We are who we are. As life begets life, diversity begets diversity. In our human frameworks, we see cognitive dissonance and pray for spiritual resonance. To be one with ourselves and with Christ. From premortal life to mortal life to eternal life, we are a part of one expansive kingdom, one eternal round. We acknowledge that thy thoughts are not our thoughts, and neither are thy ways our ways. Forgive us for our our sins, for they are many. When we deny for others what we demand for ourselves, forgive us. When we think that heterosexuals are better than lesbians, gays, bisexuals, transgender people, or queer people, forgive us. When we say that there is no room in God's kingdom for people who are different than us, forgive us. When we treat LGBTQ people as if they have no dignity or inherent worth or divine potential, forgive us. When we forget that LGBTQ people are deeply and profoundly loved by thee and all of heaven, and that Jesus Christ died for LGBTQ people, Forgive us. King of all creation, we worship thee for who thou art and for all that thou art doing in humankind. We thank thee for thy truth, goodness, and beauty that we see and do not see. We praise thee that thou art God and that we are not, and that thy judgment is more merciful than ours. Thy plans are better than ours. Thy love is greater than ours. Grant us the wisdom, courage, and resources that we need to do thy will, to love and to serve one another, that we may be one. With the Holy Ghost, we pray to thee and love thee, our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. You know,
0: I was always taught that when the final speaker speaks, you just get up and close the meeting because you don't want to add anything. And I feel like that right now that we have just heard what we needed to hear. Um, And that was just powerful. Um, Our world, our faith, um, your job at the school you work at, I think you're an admissions director. Everybody is better off because of you. Carson, you don't want to hear, you're you're a pretty humble guy, but I just look at the fruits of your life. I look at the fruits of your relationship with Alex that um, you honored and brought tribute to Alex. And I recognize that you're able to accomplish things in your life because you have each other in your life. And it gives you the emotional stability, the um, spiritual stability, the foundation. So I just, I'm glad you've got Alex. I'm glad the two of you are are um, making the world a better place supporting each other i love your contributions to our faith our faith is better off with you here you bring gifts and attributes and insights including your opus opening statement and that closing prayer i love what your ward is doing your ward to me is doing what christ wants us to do is to help everybody feel welcome and everybody to feel included and everybody to be able to use their spiritual contributions to help us become the body of Christ. We can't become Zion without our LGBTQ members. So um, thank you, Carson. I'm just deeply moved by um, this podcast, and I speak for all of our listeners. Thank you for who you are. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. This is Carson Perez and Richard Osler signing off. Yeah.